Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. The webinar industry is broken. And the reason for that is that you don't meet anyone at a webinar event, quote unquote, event it's not really an event at all it's it's more like you like the way you put it was perfect the virtual timeout <laughs> yes like you said it's, it's one-sided and passive you know like you're not face-to-face with anyone like an actual event so that was with hopping i joined as number two last year and because it opened my eyes to the future of community engagement with Entrepreneur's Handbook, my public meeting publication, mm-hmm. I wanted to do, to do an, an activity for the community to meet each other, but I didn't want to do a Facebook group or a Slack group, you know, like these high effort initiatives. I wanted something that was quick, easy, one time, high value, and I could make money from it. Like monetizing a community is a big question. Right. And so I met, met Johnny and decided to run an event on Hopin, and it was the easiest check. I ever generated from an initiative. I sent two emails. Hundreds of people came. Amazon Web Services spoke. VC spoke. And then people did networking and they loved it. You know, they, they like met and discovered new people at an event, like a water cooler, you know, coffee station conversation. And then that at that point, it was like, okay, this is the future of events, the future of community engagement. And that's when I joined the company full-time in September. Since then, it's grown a bit. Um, <laughs> we're at... Three and a half million users now. We just announced our Series B nice. funding round. You saw that, but Hopin's now valued at $2.1 billion. In less than a year, we're a double unicorn. Double. <laughs> a bicorn. You guys are a bicorn. Yeah, bicorn. I'm pretty sure that's a real animal, as a matter of fact. Yeah, with, like with workshops and consultants and kind of like that sort of event type, Hopin supports all all sorts. Like we, we tend to get large scale conferences, but unbeknownst to a lot of people is the opportunity to do these smaller workshops. And how, how it works is you basically just set up a, the sessions area and the networking area. Mm-hmm. So in Hopin, just zooming out very quickly, you have your virtual lobby, reception room, here's a schedule, here's a program. Then you have your the stage for big broadcasts, presentations, keynotes, you know, like that's when you want to reach up to a hundred thousand people. The sessions areas, your breakout rooms, your round virtual round tables, networking is the one-on-one video matchmaking, business card exchanging, you know, network tool, right. a la chat roulette. We call it, yeah, you, you're up to you if you want to describe it that way, but it's like a professional chat roulette. You know, there's, there's no aberrant behavior that occurs at all. Like it's, it turns out if you put it in a, inside like a, a registration required, you know, gated, fully transparent, no anonymous users environment. It works really well. And then there's also the expo area, which is the virtual vendor booth area that Hopin has. So the five areas, but what you can do for your workshops, say you're an independent contractor or a consultant, is turn off the stage. Don't even worry about the stage. 
use sessions to have live interaction and Q&A between the audience and your speakers and your panels. Have as many as you want. You can even let your attendees create their own rooms, their own virtual roundtables, if you want, like an unconference. There's the networking area. So after you have like your training, it's like, all right, everyone goes to the networking area and practice. And you get matched up one on one, and you can make that targeted by ticket type, like group big. We see that at recruiting events a lot, job seeker. Mm-hmm. And then the expo areas where you sell your stuff, like buy my course, visit my website, you know, like the lead generation. Uh, and then you can have sponsors as well and have them do interactive demos, like in their booths. All of this stuff is at the same event happening simultaneously. And it, it, what ends up happening is with Hopin events, you have a show-up rate of over 80% of people invited show up, as opposed to 35 40% turnout rate. So there's, like, there's Hopin starting to get a reputation of, like, this is not a webinar. Like, I'm part of the, the experience when I go to a Hopin event, like, in who I'm meeting and going on camera, like, that happens. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it would look like. Yeah, so something else I'm kind of seeing here, too, when you look at the networking piece, right? You could, like you said, you could build the networking right into whatever it is that you're doing. If it's a workshop and it's on soft skills of some kind, you could send people into the networking area for a certain amount of time to actually, you know, practice with someone. 100%. Yeah, you set the timing as the organizer used to determine how long goes one-on-one? So it could be three minutes, 90 seconds, 10 minutes, if you want longer. And then also, if, if you want it to be a group session, that's where you have other breakout rooms outside of your main session. And you can use design to show, like, here's the main room, and then here's all your little rooms to go to. Okay. I like all of that. That sounds awesome. So in terms of the data, right, that Hopin generates, I know that that is like a huge um, point for you guys in terms of managing the data. Do you have any knowledge about data that the, you know, host of the workshop could then use in terms of kind of like a a post-workshop evaluation, you know, looking at things like engagement and activities and stuff? Is is the data available for them to make those types of assessments? And it depends on the plan that you have with Hopin. Okay. Available is a number of things. Here's bullet points. One is who met who, mm. like who connected with who in networking. You can see that, oh, Jane and John exchanged contact information, like they're now a connection. You see that for everyone. Who went where? You can see, oh, Jane went to sessions for 30 minutes and then to the expo area for 10. You can, so who went where then, like, did they show up in their participation time? Visiting the expo booths, like so for sponsors or your own, you know, lead generation, you can see who visited the booth, but maybe didn't click the, the lead gen button. Each booth has kind of a virtual badge scan functionality, just like an actual expo, mm-hmm. where you register interests and it sends an email to the vendor. So you can see who clicked that button or who visited the booth and didn't click the button. Chat transcripts. So you can download all the chat messages. Like people put questions all the time, you know, like really valuable. Right. You know, chat you can export that and mine it for content creation later exactly and then you have you know basic user analytics country browser and device there's also the ability with some plans to add custom registration fields to your event so you can collect more information on your users mm-hmm. it has its own landing pages for your events so you don't have to use like eventbrite or like you could use eventbrite, eventbrite but uh, if you didn't, if you want to just be all in one platform, Hopin provides that end-to-end capability. And then you could add, like, relevant questions, custom questions to your industry. Okay. Another piece on this, like, with webinars and interaction with 
virtual workshops. The thing that was broken in the past was that it was overly focused on content and not on connections. That is, that was so quotable right there. You're going to want to trademark that maybe. I'm the head of marketing, so I have all the slogans. There you go. See, that's why I like talking with talking with marketing people, though. That's uh, that's that's so quotable. Here's another one. It's people, not posts. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of like the like. Why do we go to events at all in general? Right. If we go to learn stuff and meet people, and webinars in the virtual industry in the past did great with learn stuff, but did not do so well with connecting people, discovering people, the serendipitous, semi-random interactions that are super valuable at physical events, that was completely lost. And we sought to overcorrect, not overcorrect, we sought to correct that that imbalance in a good event experience. So we have content and connections. And even connections, we argue, are more important. Because like information age, you can find and learn anything anywhere these days. What you can't is get access to awesome people. That's... a way to discover people outside your home, especially as we're isolated now or, you know, right. staying home. So in terms of, so I'm thinking now, reflecting on the typical webinar experience, and I can honestly tell you that I haven't been to a webinar in months. Like I gave up, like you guys aren't getting any more of my time. But in terms of setting up a webinar, right, and thinking, okay, connections, not content, you know, people, not posts. So now things are kind of bubbling around in my mind and I'm thinking, okay, instead of just like talking at people forever, you're like you're doing a workshop. How would you normally do a workshop? You would have exercises, you would have, you know, breakout sessions and things. So maybe as people are planning out, like, how can I replace my webinar and make it actually a virtual workshop? Right. Instead of just me talking at everybody, you know, hey, like do maybe like 10 minutes of teaching before you have like a breakout and kind of maybe have a pattern, right? Where you're making sure that you're regularly breaking out and encouraging that type of engagement and exercise, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like another one is the schedule is the experience. And like at a webinar, you're doing one thing pretty much, but with a virtual event on Hopman, the schedule you build is the experience that people are participating in. That is your attendance of teaching Ten minutes of two and a half minute networking it's like speed speed networking. Come back, learn a little bit more, break out into groups, practice with your teams or by industry. Come back, teach more. So like how you structure your schedule is really the event experience that delights your attendees. I love that. Yes. And we want delight. That is for sure. Okay. Well, this, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm glad that I took the opportunity to talk with you because you definitely gave some some different perspectives here. Because like you said, like I, I look at Hoppin and I, I saw some potential there anyway. But yeah, usually, you know, I, I got introduced to it because of somebody else's big event. Right. So to look at the possibilities for for smaller events or, you know, workshops and things is, I think, really key. I think now, too, especially with companies realizing like, hey, we don't Not everything has to be this giant, big in-person event, right? It may be easier and more cost-effective to have a virtual event, but in terms of maintaining high ROI, like you said, you know, with an 80%, you know, attendance rate, it's really hard to compare that to 35% if you're doing a a webinar, you know, somewhere else. I do have one kind of off-topic question for you in terms of any patterns that you've noticed. So I I keep seeing these virtual events that are like 
days long, sometimes weeks long. And I'm wondering if you think that that's just the way things are going to go, or maybe are we going to snap back like a rubber band? Because I can't imagine attending somebody's event like three weeks in a row. For sure. I, I totally get you. I mean, what we're seeing when you move to a virtual event, you open up your audience to the world, like the, the globe can attend. Right. Whereas before, when it was local, it's like only San Francisco people, only New York, New York but you got to fly in. Right. And that global accessibility and reach, now you have to contend with time zones. And if you want it to be a live event, that's where you start seeing 24-hour plus events is because of time zones. The other way around it that we've seen as a pattern, first 12 hours or first four hours are live and it's recorded. Uh And then the next, the remainder is pre-recorded, but it's semi-live where it's pre-recorded content that's broadcasted live. That way it feels like a live experience, but it's a recording. We see we see a mix of those often, and, and I, I'd recommend that. Okay. So you have a bit of that like live, like you're in the moment, you know, kind of like this versus like those super well-produced, you know, show where it's pre-recorded and feels like TV. Both of those uh, work great. And so we have the organizers to see to craft the experience that's best for their audience. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really considered the whole time zone thing. But yeah, I've seen some events where I'm like, man, I cannot come to your event every day for the next three weeks. I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, think about like, instead of it being an actual event where you're locked in and there in person, you can't leave. With a virtual event, it's like, I'm here for five minutes. I'm out. I'm back. I'm out. You know, like attending, not attending. So that's that's why you have these long events. with. So choose the choose the segments you want to participate in. You have more freedom, basically. It's catered to kind of the millennial mindset a little bit more. Yeah. It's like, do what interests you. Don't waste your time. That's true. That's true. I was I was really looking forward to in-person events this year, but that's just because I, I have four kids. So I was looking forward to leaving my husband with them for a few days. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for answering my off-topic question. Um so, okay, well, so in terms of copycats, what do you think sets you guys apart from some of the copycats that you've seen? Sure, I love I love this question. Uh, we were pre-COVID, not reactive to it. So we were mm. virtual first, competing with offline events. That was our, what we built for. Yeah. When you're competing with offline events, like, that's hard. You know, like, we had to really step it up. Whereas when the world pivoted virtual and everything was virtual, I made it easy for anybody to just throw up some live video and call it a virtual event. Yeah. So we kind of like, hey, we were first and we're virtual first, not reactive. The feature set, one thing that happened did was combine all the essential tools needed for successful virtual events into one platform, as opposed to cobbling together all sorts of different applications like Slack for chat, Zoom for video, Eventbrite for registration page, you know, CRM plugin, you know, zapping it all together like it's a mess. Yeah. Hopin, it's just one one platform. The design and UI of Hopin is modern, sleek, feels like Facebook, feels like Slack. Whereas some competitors do the avatar, virtual you know, trees and stairs and windows, like actually trying to depict in a Sims world sort of way uh, a virtual event. We went for just an efficient, you know, modern design. Stability is another one that a lot of these new plat- platforms, we have a ton of customers coming to us saying that they were trying these other platforms, kept running into glitches, they failed, and you cannot have a virtual event unplugged. That's a bad experience. 
So we, we kind of champion platform stability. Right. And then lastly, the one is networking. Hopin's the most interactive platform in the sense that with the discovering new connections, meeting with people in, in groups on videos, that doesn't really happen with these other platforms to the extent it happens at, with Hopin. Okay. All start our data. There's yeah. a lot of things, but it's all like feature-based boring features. But our, the depth and uh, robustness of our data reporting is uh, a lot more on these other platforms. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you said, well, it means to the stability point, right? If you came up after COVID, it was very reactionary. So then I have to question, okay, when you consider how long it takes sometimes to roll out an application, especially something as complex as what Hopin offers and what these other platforms purport to offer, rolled it out fast, right? If you reacted to COVID, whereas Hopin would have with being pre-COVID would have, you know, tested and reiterated and went back to the drawing board, you know, early users reported bugs, bugs got fixed. So yeah, can definitely see that. And I, I've seen that with some other platforms as well that have been a bit trying to take a bite out of like the virtual meeting space, right? Take a bite out of that. And and some of those have been rolled out too quickly and the bugs and things are just not reliable. The resolution for the video is not good enough, stuff like that. Yeah, like Zoom, we get compared to a lot. Zoom, I'm sure if you use Zoom every day, we use Zoom. It's not an events platform. It's a right. Yeah, apples yeah, and oranges. But yeah, it doesn't have like sponsor branding or multi-level chat or like one go one-on-one meet with someone in a, in a video room and then come back to the main event. Like it doesn't have that venue sort of approach that Hopin does. So if it feels more like an in-person event Hopin does, where Zoom, it's kind of like, you know, we're on a call. Right. It's the coffee chat after the event is over. That's Zoom, right? Yes. Without the serendipity of it. Like if you go to a a Zoom event, you drop in on camera with everyone. Yeah. And you turn off your camera and audio is like, oh, like everyone can see me. Where with Hopin, you can come in, find the space you want to go on camera. You know, like it's a little more user friendly. Yeah. And people can warm up and engage in the way they want to. Where with Zoom, it's like, you're here or we're going to force you to breakout rooms. We're going to force you back. Like it's, it's more content centric than it is user centric. Yeah. Well, yeah. So thanks for answering that extra question too. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I will let you know once it's all. I have two hours scheduled for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you're just trying to keep your calendar open and that's a good trick. Actually, I started doing that. I put like when I'm working on content, when I'm following up with people, I put that all on my calendar now um, because I used to look at my calendar and be like, oh, my calendar's so empty. And then I looked at it for December and I was thinking my calendar's so empty. And then I looked at it, I was like, no, I got a lot of stuff to do. Even if it's just, you know, stuff for me and I'm not on the phone with anyone. I got lots of stuff to be doing right now. It's a trick. Okay. Empty calendar is a trick. <laughs> all righty thanks again so much for your time sure thing talk to you later thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and a review to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on instagram at defy the status quo biz and the link is in this episode's description Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.